Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. In three, two, one. Seven things you probably didn't know, you need to know. I'm Jamie Easton. This is the standout Over the next seven minutes or so, we'll look back at a week that saw COP27 wrap up in Egypt, the World Cup kick off in Qatar, and more brutal attacks on Ukraine. We'll also catch up on the UK's winter of strike action, hear about a hero in Colorado, and share a strange story from Top Gear's Richard Hammond. This is the Standout 7 from the Smart 7. Don't you forget to hit that follow button to get your daily updates at 7am. It's been a long time coming, but the 2022 World Cup finally kicked off in Qatar on Sunday, with Ecuador beating the host country in the opening game. That's the first time the host country has ever lost the opening game of the tournament, and it was just the icing on the cake for Qatar and a difficult start to the World Cup. What was intended to be a showcase for the Gulf state has instead turned into the World Cup of Awkward, as alcohol sales were banned and the human rights record of Qatar came into sharp focus. The BBC skipped the opening ceremony altogether and went straight to the first game, but not before former England and Arsenal player Alex Scott got the chance to give FIFA a piece of her mind. You are not gay. You will never understand travelling to a country where you are fearing for your life just because of your preference of who you choose to love. To keep saying, Gary, football is for everyone. That's what you keep feeding us with. We sit here and it's not. The next row revolved around the plans by seven European nations to wear one love armbands to express solidarity with LGBTQ plus rights. However, when FIFA threatened the captains of the teams, including England and Wales, with yellow cards if they wore the bands on the pitch, the teams scrapped the plan. It was a particularly embarrassing climb down when the Iranian team refused to sing their own national anthem in a show of support for the anti-government protests in their home country. Roy Keane on ITV's panel felt that both Harry Kane and Gareth Bale should have stepped up and had the courage of their convictions. I think it was a big mistake. I think both players, particularly obviously we're talking about Wales and England here, should have stuck to their guns and done it. Whatever pressure from outside and from their own associations, have the belief. If that's what you believe, then go with it. It's been another brutal week for Ukrainians as Russian strikes once again targeted power and water infrastructure. The strikes killed at least 10 people and left huge swathes of the country in darkness, with Ukrainian President Zelensky speaking to the UN and describing the Russian strikes on the power network as crimes against humanity. Ukrainian MP Kira Rudik told Sky News Kyiv has been experiencing power outages every single day in different parts and people are worried. The main thing that we feel right now is that we can only go through this winter together, that we will need to take care not only of ourselves, but of the people around us, and that the responsibility is to get every single Ukrainian through the winter. There was also an unexpected intervention from Boris Johnson this week, who annoyed the German government with this claim that they wanted Ukraine to lose quickly. I'll tell you a terrible thing. Uh, the German view was at one stage that if it were going to happen, which would be a disaster, then it were better for the whole thing to be over quickly. 
and for Ukraine to, to fall. Berlin later dismissed the former PM's comments as utter nonsense. Thursday saw Belarusian President and Putin ally Alexander Lukashenko warning that if they want to avoid total destruction, it's up to Ukraine to stop the war. Truly, everything is in Ukraine's hands right now. If they don't want the death of a huge number of people, it will be difficult, complex, challenging. But if they want to recover, this needs to stop because next will be the complete destruction of Ukraine. Meanwhile, the Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Mariano Grossi, talked to social media to emphasize their commitment to protecting Ukraine's nuclear plants. We are making progress in establishing a nuclear safety and security protection zone around the Saporizhia site. Wednesday saw bad news for fans of Braveheart as the Supreme Court dealt a blow to Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon's plan for a so-called Indie Ref 2. It declared that a second vote on independence by the Scottish Parliament could only proceed with Westminster's permission. It was a unanimous decision announced by Justice Lord Reid. The Scottish Parliament does not have the power to legislate for a referendum on Scottish independence. Scotland's First Minister had planned for another referendum next October. Nicola Sturgeon says she's disappointed at the rule and that the idea of the UK being a voluntary union is no longer a reality. Let's be absolutely blunt. A so-called partnership in which one partner is denied the right to choose a different future or even to ask itself the question cannot be described in any way as voluntary or even a partnership at all. Sturgeon later announced the SNP will use the next general election as a de facto referendum on Scottish independence, saying a special party conference will meet in the new year to make plans for a vote. The party's Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, says democracy is at stake and will not be denied. If Westminster keeps blocking our democratic decisions, lawfully and democratically, Scotland will find a way out of this union. Thursday saw confirmation that nurses in England, Wales and Scotland will strike for two days in December as the governments refuse to reopen pay talks. That comes on top of the Royal Mail strike, which saw 115,000 postal workers walk out during the UK's busiest day of industrial action this year. Their 48-hour strike continues today, and there's more action planned next week in the ongoing dispute with Royal Mail over working conditions, pay and proposed structural changes to the company. Dave Ward's a General Secretary of the Communications Workers' Union and says Royal Mail's CEO is to blame. I've seen women postal workers recently resigning, saying that their mental health is being affected by the leader of this company who spends all of his time on his workplace social media platform, almost at war with his own workers. But postal workers weren't the only ones striking on Thursday. They were joined by thousands of Scottish teachers as well as university staff from across the UK who've been protesting heavy workloads and job insecurity. UCU General Secretary Joe Grady says university staff deserve better pay. So students are paying through the nose for education, staff are earning way below the cost of living. We're just wanting to be paid fairly and more people on secure contracts so everyone isn't overworked. Meanwhile, RMT Secretary-General Mick Lynch met with newly appointed Transport Secretary Mark Harper ahead of next month's planned rail strikes. And although talks seem to have been positive, Mick says things really should have been sorted by now. So there's been ample time for this lot to get their act together, along with their industry partners, as they describe them, the people that they contract to run the railways, and they've done nothing. Still to come on the standout seven, a hero steps up in Colorado, and Richard Hammond shares a strange coma dream. Right after this... Welcome back. 
The COP27 Climate Summit concluded on Sunday after two weeks of difficult negotiations in Egypt's Sharm el-Sheikh. The agreement set up a fund for developing countries to claim for loss and damage resulting from climate change, and President of COP27, Sameh Shukri, was hopeful that the deal will send a positive message. I call upon all of you to view these draft decisions not merely as words on paper, but as our collective message to the world that we have heeded the call of our leaders and of the current and future generations. The results of victory for poorer nations who are struggling with the costs of climate impacts like flooding and drought, and Fiona Harvey of The Guardian says it's important to recognise that those nations need help. Uh, the UK taxpayer already provides uh, aid to uh, countries that are in dire straits. What, what you need to do is see this in, in those terms, that this is about helping countries that are experiencing disaster. President of Glasgow's COP26, Alok Sharma, was disappointed that no more progress was made on fossil fuels and says the goal of limiting global warming to one and a half degrees is in serious jeopardy. I mean, I said in Glasgow that 1.5 was uh, uh, very much on life support. Uh, and the world has to recognise and countries have to recognise that if we do not act on this issue now, it will overwhelm us and will overwhelm every country on earth at the end of the day. In the United States, the Colorado Springs LGBTQ nightclub owner has praised the man who helped stop the shootings. Five people were killed and 17 others injured there in a mass shooting over the weekend. Nick Grzecka, the co-owner of Club Q, said a big thank you was due to Richard Fierro for saving countless lives. He's a 15-year military veteran who was out for a quiet night with his family when a man dressed in body armour burst into the venue and opened fire. I grabbed him by the back of his little cheap-ass armour thing and I pulled him down. And then I started wailing on this dude. And I'm on top of him. I'm a big dude, man, and this guy was bigger. And I told the kid in front of me, kick him in his head, keep kicking him in his head. One of the, the performers walked by, or was running by, and I told her, kick this guy, kick this guy. And she took her high heel and stuffed it in his face. Richard Hammond, affectionately known as the hamster to his Top Gear now Grand Tour colleagues, is without doubt the short king of car shows. But things very nearly ended extremely badly in 2006 when he had a horrific crash at about 300 miles an hour in a vampire dragster, which saw him in a coma for two weeks and fighting for his life. Now, in a new video, he tells the incredible story of his extremely realistic dream experience in that coma and how close he came to heading over that hill. And as I got closer and closer to the tree, that sense of, ooh, I really am in trouble, grew and grew until eventually in my dream, I turned back. Mindy told me her side of the story because at the same time, things aren't looking good. And apparently she roared and screamed and swore at me, don't you dare die. And that's when I turned back from this tree in my dream. And that's when I woke. This has been the Standout 7, the best of the week from the Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow, 7am, with the Sunday 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Dog.